Welcome to the Christian Writers Workshop, the podcast that gives you the tools you need to turn your writing and publishing dreams into reality. Here is your host, award-winning author and speaker, Michelle Lazurek. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the Christian Writers Workshop. In this podcast, we're going to talk about five ways blogging is essential to your platform. And as I was thinking about how to prepare for today, I was thinking about my husband. And last year, he wanted to train for a marathon. He had gotten into running uh, maybe a few years prior, and he started off doing some 5Ks. And then he really wanted to set his sights on doing a marathon. So he went online, and he got a, a training program that he could use. And each week, it would give him instructions as to how to run and then gradually increase the duration and length of time that he was running and a little bit about his speed. And I remember how scared he was because he wasn't sure he could handle running for that long a period of time. But he was he wanted to do this, and so he set his sights on, on doing that. And so each week, he followed the instructions to the T. He put himself on a treadmill if it was too cold outside or he ran outside, And I would watch him as he would put on his sneakers or his running outfit, and he would go outside and he would run. And maybe two hours later, he'd come back. And I would ask him how he was, and he said it was hard, but it was worth it. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Marathon runners don't just decide one morning they want to wake up and do a marathon. It just doesn't work like that. He had to train. It took him months of training to get to where he wanted to be and into a comfortable place where he knew that he could handle running a marathon. As a writer, you may think, I want to write a book. And that's wonderful. And in fact, that's a common statement that I hear from people when they're asking me about what it takes to be a writer. And that may be their goal. And maybe that's what God's calling them to. But writers don't start at writing a book. They end at writing a book. In the same way that my husband ended with a marathon, he started with running. First, he started doing a 5K, which he was able to accomplish. Then he went on to a half marathon, and then he ended with a marathon. Now, to this day, he still maintains his running. He does maybe four to five miles a day. And right now, he's uh, in the process of trying to run 1,000 miles in a year. But he doesn't want to lose all the conditioning that he had done to his body to be able to get him to the place where he could run that marathon. So he's maintaining himself by running four to five miles a day. In the same way as a writer, that's what you have to think about as well. Blogging is the 5K. Writing consistently on a blog where you're gaining readership, you're writing about themes that are important to you, and you're able to get your message out into the world, that's that 5K. That's where you start. The marathon, in the end, is where you put all those things together that God has been working on you with, and you write that book. So blogging is essential. It's essential to anyone's platform, and in another podcast, I'll talk about a platform and what that means. But basically, your platform is the stage. If you think about a concert or you think about a place where they have events that go on, the platform is a stage in which that celebrity or that person that you're watching stands on. It's how they get their message out. In the same way as a writer, you need to have a platform. And part of that platform is the blog. Now I have to confession make. I hate blogging. 
Blogging for me is tedious and it's hard. I know I have to write consistently with it, but it's so tough. When life gets in the way, it's hard for me to get out that computer and write for 20 minutes a blog post, especially when I know if people aren't reading it, it's especially tough for me to keep on writing for that blog. But the blog is also essential because if you ever do decide to be traditionally published at some point, and by traditionally published, I mean published by a publishing company that pays you for the rights to your book, they're going to want to see a sample of your writing. And they want to see it out there on the internet somewhere. And so they're going to look for a blog or a website, a place where you write consistently, so that they can see if your style of writing matches the needs that they're looking for. They also want to see if you have fans that want to read your work. And so that's what the blog is for. It not only helps you consistently write, it helps you to hone your skills. It helps you to get your message out onto the internet. And it also helps you collect a fan base. And hopefully that fan base, when you write your first book, will buy that book from you. So your blog, when we go back to that analogy of the marathon, your blog is your training. The book is the finish line of the marathon. You really can't get to a book without a blog because blogs, because, excuse me, because, because books are so hard. They're a lot of work. It takes months of writing and editing to get to a book. But a blog, maybe you have to carve out 20 minutes to 30 minutes to do. So here are some reasons why blogging is an essential component of your writing career. The first way is that it positions you as an expert. When, vis- when visitors continually visit your site, they're more likely want to look at you as someone who knows what you are talking about. And publishers are also looking for people who have a brand. And that's the thing that makes you stand out and distinguishes you from the other writers in your genre. You want to make sure you are the go-to person in your, ni- in your niche. So maybe all you have time for for a blog is maybe two times a month. Stick with that. Start with that. Don't make some grandiose goal that you want to blog every day for 30 days if you can't do that. For some people, even once a week is too much. But start out small. Try two times a month. Then increase it, maybe one time a week. And then if you really are passionate about your topic, go on to two or three times a week. But you want to position yourself as an expert, someone who knows the field in which you're writing. A lot of times when writers start, they have a lot of different passions that they want to write about. I'm a parent, so I want to write about parenting. Um, I'm in ministry, so I want to write about ministry. Uh, I lead a mops group, so I want to talk about mops. Those are all wonderful passions and topics that you can write about, but pick one. You're going to spin your wheels if you can't find a place where you can carve yourself out as an expert in that field. So if you really know the ministry well, if you've been doing it for 10, 20 years, write about that. If you're going through a difficult time in your parenting, let's say you have maybe a special needs child or you have a rebellious child, maybe you're a parent of teens, that alone is a big undertaking, then write about that. But find a way that you can 
make yourself stand out from among the crowd. There are so many mommy bloggers out there. What is going to make a fan turn from all those other blogs to your blog and subscribe and read it week to week? Find out what you can write about. Put a unique spin on that. I think I talked about this in the last episode, but my first encounter with a publisher's appointment uh, was about six or seven years ago. And the woman had us go in a group of six and she was talking to us about our projects. And she explained that she was a screenwriter for in California before she became an acquiring editor for her publishing company. And she said, if you didn't have her on page one, you didn't have her. And within that first page, she knew if you could write. And if she felt like you couldn't write, it went right in the trash. And she made this point very clear, and I never forgot it. She said, publishers don't want a unique idea. And I remember thinking, that's got to be wrong. You can't, everyone wants to write about something different. She said, no. She said, I don't want to see a unique idea. Because if you have a unique idea that no one else is writing about, that means that it probably won't sell. She said, what I want to see is a unique spin on an old idea. For example, maybe you have a passion for prayer. But there are a lot of people who write about prayer. How are you going to change and spin the idea of prayer into a unique idea for a book. Publishers won't touch something when they already have a bestseller book on prayer. They're not going to touch your book on prayer if they already have one that's selling well for them. What can you do to change someone's idea about prayer within your book? That's what you want to capitalize on. What is your unique spin on an old idea? That will also help brand you as that expert that they're looking for. The second way that blogging is essential to your platform is it enables you to dialogue with your audience. Every time you write, people will comment, they'll share. If you put it on Facebook, they may like the post. And so you can see how your writing is faring with your audience. Now, if you're using WordPress or Blogger, it will also help you put in certain keywords that when someone is looking at you from the internet and Googling you, your blog will pop up. And it probably will pop up within that first 10 listings in Google. And that's what you want. Now, it may take you a few blog tweaks to get it to resonate with your audience. But you need to do that. You want to be able to initiate that dialogue. You want to make sure that your fans are connecting and interacting with what you're writing. So readers are looking for, they want simple words. They want short sentences. They want you to answer the question, what's in it for me? And that's a big one. So many people are on the internet looking for something. They're on the hunt for something, whether it's a keyword that they're searching for or maybe someone new that they want to follow. But whatever that may be, if they come on and stumble onto your site, what is going to make them stay? Do you want them to jump off after they read the first page? Or do you want them to continue to look through page by page? So they're constantly answering the question for themselves, what's in this for me? And that's a question that you have to answer. A lot of times, people who own websites for writers, they may add freebie content. There may be a downloadable print of something that they can print off from home that they can take with them. If you're writing for children, maybe you have a coloring sheet or something on your page. You can also have additional products that go along with your book or your blog. For example, if you're talking about uh, self-esteem, you may have a, be able to print off a necklace or a 
bracelet have some of those things made up where people can purchase those things online. And it's a way that they can take part of your blog with them. My husband's been been preaching on the idea of intentionality. And a woman from our church has been doing tattoos. Now they're temporary, but still. You can put them on your arm, you can wash them off, but it has the word intentional on it. And it's a part of something that we can take away after we hear the sermon and remember what my husband has talked about. And so that's a great way to continue that dialogue with your audience is to create a product where you can have them take away a piece of what you're writing with them. Readers are also looking for short posts, believe it or not. Unless you have a big story to share, 300 to 500 words is a great way to start your blogs. In this media-saturated world that we live in, it's so difficult for people to read long posts. There's so much to read and there's so much to interact with. So 300 to 500 words allows them to be able to skim that page. And if you can create some bullet points or maybe some subtitles or subheadings and put those in bold so that people can kind of scan the content, that's even better because it's easy for them to read. It's easy for them to consume. And the last thing that they're looking for is a conversational style. Now, if you're writing nonfiction, sometimes a teaching style works too. But oftentimes people don't want to be preached at. They want someone to interact with. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about writing your blog. The third thing is that blogs are fairly easy to manage. Through tools on your blog, you can write several blogs at one time and schedule it to post whenever you want, especially if you're using something like Blogger or WordPress. There, you can also track the amount of readers or viewers through tools that you can kind of embed on your site so you can find out who's actually hitting your site. You can also use things like Google Analytics, StatCounter.com. Those are all ways in which you can track the amount of people who are coming to your site. Knowing how many people are reading your content does not only encourage you to keep writing, but it also helps you to know if or when to tweak your content, change your voice, or whatever you need to do so that you're reaching them most effectively. Maybe you're on Facebook often. You can even put out a question asking them what they would like to see in your topic. If they feel like they're contributing to your blog, this will keep them most interested in what you have to say and keeping you, keeping you from wanting to quit altogether. The fourth way that blogging is essential is that it helps to reinforce your brand. Let me explain a little bit about what a brand is. A brand is kind of your niche that you've carved out for yourself in the world. And part of a brand means creating what they call a tagline. Now, when you think about bigger companies that are advertising on TV, let's say um, Tide or... Um, I think about Procter & Gamble and some of those larger companies that own these products. They've all created brands for themselves. Mattel. We think about toys. The minute I hear the word Mattel, I think about toys. What does the world think of you when they see your name? Whether it's on a book, whether it's on the internet, if they see your website. What's the word they come up with when they think of you? 
Taglines are a great way to succinctly communicate what you're about. For example, you think about Apple, and in the 90s, their tagline was, think differently. And even after all these years, we still remember that tagline because it was only two words, but it created this culture for people of, I'm thinking outside of the box. And that's what worked for them. It actually was, in a sense, kind of what Steve Jobs used to turn his whole company around. We wouldn't have MacBooks or iPhones or iPods today if it weren't for Steve Jobs' ingenuity and willingness to turn something around and allow us to think different. So that brand is probably about five words or less, maybe a little more, that you would put underneath your name on a website or something that you would write about to help clearly communicate what you're about. That helps establish you as a brand. For me, it took me a long time to figure out what my brand was. I had a lot of passions. I had a lot of things that I was good at. So it's really hard for me to figure out the one thing that I wanted to write about and make it narrow enough where I could write about it, but large enough where it wouldn't kind of paint me into a corner. So I had originally one of my first taglines that I had was helping people trans- helping ordinary people transform into extraordinary disciples because I really wanted to write about discipleship. But then I found there weren't a lot of websites that were talking specifically about discipleship. So it kind of painted me into a corner in a sense. It was also really difficult for me to find places that I could send my work because my tagline was too narrow. Now my tagline is helping people realize their potential. Do you see the difference? It's a bit broader, but I can also fit things like discipleship into that. I can also help mentor writers, which was also a passion of mine. I can help ministry wives, also a passion. And so that helping people realize their potential can take on many different forms. And so that helped me narrow it out enough where I was only writing about certain topics, not about everything. But at the same time, it was broad enough where I could incorporate all the passions that I wanted to write about into my tagline and still have it work. So for me, helping people realize their potential is something that I want to do, whether that's writing a book, whether that's helping a young pastor's wife who uh, is really tired of the ministry, um, give them encouragement or hope. That's helping them realize their potential. Helping people realize your spiritual gifts, helping them to grow, making disciples, all those things together fit under that tagline, helping people realize their potential. So what is your brand? What is your tagline? If you had to narrow down what you wanted to say about yourself in, say, seven words or less, what would you say? Something important you need to think about. Maybe it has to do with the idea that you have in your head about your book already. Or maybe you're just starting out and starting out a new blog and not quite sure what to write about. But then once you establish that tagline, every article, blog post, and book that you write should include that tagline in some way. So for me, I write primarily nonfiction. However, I've done a couple of children's books. I've co-written a book uh, with a pastor friend. So all of those things fit together into that tagline. And I try to make sure that I write specifically for only certain places that fit into my tagline. For example, I'm a pastor's wife. I've been doing this for 
over 15 years. So pastorsresources.com, writing for them is a huge opportunity for me because it helps my brand. It helps me give practical tips and advice to pastors and pastors' wives. So for me, that works. And it definitely fits within that tagline of helping people realize their potential. So every article that I write, every nonfiction book that I write about, all of that fits into that tagline. So you have to establish yourself as a particular writer first before you start branching yourself out into the many different interests that you have. So think about that. Now, there are ways that you can reinforce your brand. Ways like images. For example, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, you might see those pretty graphics or they're called memes where it has a little bit of uh, a saying or something. Maybe you have some quotes from your book that you've written or a blog post that you think are important that you want readers to take away with them. So you put it into a graphic and make it a pretty picture. Then you post that on your social media. And then that way people will associate what you've just said with you. And that's a great way to kind of build that fan base. So images are a great way to reinforce your brand. Another way is through your design. What is your color scheme of your website? What are the color schemes of the books that you're writing? Is your website friendly? Is it easy to use? Or does it have a lot of things that need to be downloaded? Is it slow? Because all those things will contribute to whether or not someone will come back and visit you again a second time. So your design is very important. If you want to help provide people with peace, a bright red neon is probably not going to be something that would be a part of your color scheme or design of your website. But cool greens and blues, that would probably do it. You also reinforce your brand through content. So if you're someone that wants to be known as a conversationalist when he or she writes, then you want to make sure that you're writing in a conversational style. If your gifting is primarily teaching, then that might be a way in which you can format your book in a teaching style so that people are getting information from you. So all of those things, images, design, and content, all contribute to your brand. When all these elements are pleasing to the eye, when they're inviting, and they use colors that invoke that mood that you want, then you'll have an audience that wants to follow you and they'll keep coming back to your website. And the last way that blogging is essential is that it helps you connect with your audience at a later time. So maybe you're starting to get those followers and the regular readers, and that's great. Now what do you do with that traffic? Are they hitting you once and then never coming back? Or are they keep coming back because your content gives them something of value? A great way to capitalize on some of the traffic that you're getting is to create a newsletter. Now you'll have to ask, your, ask permission from your audience to subscribe when they give you your email address. So you can either ask them on Facebook or you can ask them on your blog or however you want to do that. But an important way is to be able to capture those email addresses. A great website to, to create that newsletter is something like MailChimp. And I think they allow the first 2,000 subscribers, they give that to you for free. So you can create your newsletter on 
MailChimp using some of their templates that they have, or if you have someone who can design something better for you. But that's where you import your email addresses. And there are ways in which you can create a button or a tool on your website where you can capture those email addresses. And in exchange for that email address, they're subscribing to your newsletter. Oftentimes, however, some people won't do that. They don't feel comfortable just giving you their email address unless they're a friend or a family member. So a great way is to incentivize that is to create a free goodie to give away in exchange for that email address. That gives them the incentive to provide that email address in the first place. So for example, if you're doing a newsletter, maybe you're writing a book about um, abuse, let's say. Maybe you can create a small ebook about 10 ways that you can protect your children from abuse. So create that ebook. You can download, you can save it as a PDF. And then you can provide that on your website. So when people give their email address, they're automatically receiving that PDF. And then they can download that from their computer. That's just a way for you to kind of give back to your audience as a thank you for giving you their email address. But that'll help capitalize on some of those regular followers and readers that you have. You're getting that information across. And in your newsletter, you can do whatever you want. If you want to put a blog post that you haven't written yet, give them some access to some new content that they haven't read already, that's great. If you want to do a sample from your book, you can do that. If you simply want to tell them about the places that you're going to be that month or maybe some of the topics that you're speaking about, you can do that. Sometimes I do a call out if I'm looking for contributors to a story that I'm writing or a book that I'm writing, I'll put a call out. And that's a great way to get the information out to a large number of people. But all that to say that you're capitalizing on the content that you're writing and those regular followers and readers that are hitting your site time and time again. As you go to analyze that data from Google Analytics or from StatCounter or whatever you use, that's a great way to capitalize on those followers get them to come back and get them to, for you to be that recognizable name that you want to be. So that leads me to your action step. So let me ask you a question. Where are you at with your blog? Is your blog something that you consistently write about each week, each month? Are you someone who doesn't write at all on it? Maybe you're inconsistent with writing. What can you do to make sure that you're writing consistently on your blog? And if you are writing consistently on your blog, what are you doing to help get that information out to regular readers and followers on a consistent basis? So my challenge to you is to do one new thing with a blog. Maybe that's starting a blog. Maybe that's writing a couple of posts. Maybe that's marketing yourself a little bit by posting on Facebook or Instagram or however, Twitter. But what's one way that you can help catapult your blog as an essential part of your platform? So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Happy writing. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Christian Writers Workshop. 
Don't forget to connect with Michelle online at www.michellezurich.com. Join us again next week and find out how to turn your writing and publishing dreams into reality.